Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. I'm John Gordon, and I'm here with uh, co-host Mari Cleveland. Hello. And Craig Wiesmeyer. Hey, so we're going to talk today uh, to a gentleman, Joe Sikora. And Joe is a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist. He's an author, a speaker, a television and radio personality, and a podcaster. I don't think he's bored. Um, he's actually well known for integrating faith and scripture and psychology, which think if you think about what we want to try to accomplish in the family room, it's like the perfect mix. Mm-hmm. He's lived and walked in, in, with folks who find themselves in some very bleak and dire circumstances. And, and he's going to share some things in from his own life. And we originally thought that we wanted to talk to Joe about a book that he's written called The Whole World is Going Crazy, But You Don't Have To. Which sounds like another really good thing, right? So maybe we do several shows with Joe. I, I don't think know. So. Yeah, sounds like something we might need. Yep. But I know as Joe was talking with Barb about scheduling this, he said, hey, talk about that book. But there's another book, Defying Gravity. And if you want a really good read, um, that's one that we recommended. And actually, um, the, the, the Sakura story has been optioned, uh, optioned for a feature-length film. Um and in, in the book is published by uh, Ignatius Press, and, and we'll have all that in our show notes. But we're really grateful that Joe suggested Defying Gravity. And I think if you stay with us, you're going to agree. Mm-hmm. There was a really good call on Joe's part. Yeah. I so um, before before we um, we introduce Joe formally or let him speak, <laughs> let's let's start with a prayer. Yeah, sure. I'm glad to. Yep. In the name of the Father and the Son and the, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, um, we praise you as the author of all creation, as our Abba Father, as the one who loved us first and foremost, as the one who forms each of us fearfully and wonderfully. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you that um, you, all you want us to do is to be able to abide in you and your love and to learn how to be loved by you. And Lord, we thank you for um, Joe and Lori's beautiful story for the Socorro family and for the ways that you drew them closer to you um, and helped them to see that their job is to make love visible through their son's lives and examples. And uh, I thank you for all of the lives you are going to touch by listening to Joe and hearing his story today. So we just ask you to continue to bless them and continue to be with all of us as we walk closer to you every day. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Amen. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Joe, welcome in. So great to be here. I just uh, I love what you're doing. First of all, the whole mission of supporting family through faith and, and good works, because boy, that is the structure. You know, we survive or we don't as a society based on our family. So I love what you're doing. Well, thank you. We thank you. Appreciate that. We all had a common heart, so that's good. Um, and you've heard enough of it already, but you know what a wonderful book and what a wonderful story you've written, and the whole idea of you know choosing joy and you lift your family up from uh, death to life. I think a lot of us have forgotten that we have the choice to choose joy. But before we kind of dive in deeper into that story, can you tell us a little more about your faith life growing up and how your faith has kind of transformed a little bit over time? 
Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I was born into a Catholic family, very Catholic, eight kids in our family. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I really was taught to, to love the Lord, especially by my mother. I think she was instrumental in really just instilling that deep sense of, of love for Jesus. And, and uh, she taught me so many other things about faith, how to be resilient and how to be, you know, loving and laugh in the face of adversity and difficulty. I didn't understand all of that growing up. I just sort of took it in. I just allowed myself to experience, uh, you know, what she taught. So I never really deviated uh, too far from the faith. I think we all have a walk and a journey, and I think sometimes we step out of it, and sometimes we step back in. Uh, you know, I never became something else, a Protestant, but I always explored other faiths, but I always just returned because I felt this deep connection and love for my Catholic faith. I have a lot of respect for other people and their journey, and my non-Catholic friends, I, you know, we don't criticize each other. We have more in common uh, than we have what separates us, for sure. Uh, but my faith was really transformed, I would say, by in the fires of adversity. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where my faith really became alive, where I really had to say, okay, what is this really all about? I thought I understood God. I thought I understood the necessity for prayer and to love, but it was always easy until it wasn't. Mm. And and that's when my faith, I think, really became alive. Yeah. And as you say that, Joe, um, having read your book, Define Gravity, we know that one of the big fires of adversity that you um, faced was um, your sons, John and Ben, being um, diagnosed with uh, with baton disease. And so yeah. just as a backdrop for our listeners, because as you say, it's a very, very rare neurological disease. So many of our listeners would not have heard of it before. But can you share a little bit about that backdrop um, of your story? Sure. Many doctors have not heard of it. Mm. Yeah. Quite honestly. Um, yeah, we, uh, you know, my wife and I, like young couples do, we dreamed of having children. Of course, you never dream about having handicapped kids, but with a caveat, I say that because we actually, I think the Lord spoke to us and actually prepared us in a way to having special needs kids. Uh, I can talk about that story. I talk about it in the book. Uh, but basically, we had two boys, uh, John and Benjamin, and live here, and we still live here in Southern California. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just great, happy, normal, fun, athletic kids. And uh, one day, after we had managed to somehow buy our first house, which is no easy feat, especially <laughs> these days, and in California. California, yeah, golly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we, of course, more and more houses might become available as people make an exodus from California. But that's a different topic. It's <laughs> um, our third show. For another show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was playing uh, baseball with my oldest son, John, who is about uh, six, just about, just turned well, he's six years old, six, seven years old. And, uh, you know, I tossed him the ball, you know, real easy. And he missed, and I thought, oh, he's not a great baseball player, <laughs> you know. And I said, John, get the ball. It's right behind you. And he had a hard time finding the ball. He says, where is it? And I said, well, it's right over there. And he eventually found the ball, and I thought, oh, he's got a problem with his eyes. Long story short, I talked to my wife about this, and we went to get his eyes checked. And the optometrist said, you got to see an ophthalmologist, you know, a little more in-depth look at the retinas. The ophthalmologist said, boy, I don't like this. You know, he might lose his sight. 
uh, she sent us to a geneticist who they did all this blood work and testing and everything else. And they finally came up with this disease called juvenile neuronal steroid lipofusionosis or juvenile battens for short. So they explained that this wasn't just an eye disease, but it was basically a neurological disease. And it starts with uh, robbing kids of their sight. They eventually develop seizures, lose muscle control, and the life expectancy is typically late teens, early 20s. So our world was rocked, obviously. Mm -hmm. Our faith was rocked, obviously, as anybody's would be. And they said, you know, you have two kids. There's a one in four chance that your other son has it too. And we said, no, no, he doesn't have it for sure. You know, we were in denial or whatever else. But we got him tested. And about six months later, we discovered that he too had the same disease. Mm -hmm. So there we were, this young couple with all these aspirations, hopes, dreams of living the life. Uh, and then all of a sudden you discover, oh, your two children have this fatal disease. Now what? Mm-hmm. So, Joe, um, in the book, there's there's a picture of, of John and Benjamin that uh, it would melt the heart of anybody. I mean, they're just two awesome, beautiful kids. But you described each of them at different points in in the book, and you talked about different attributes of each one. We, we don't have time to go way into that, but... I feel, t- tell us a little bit about John and a little bit about Ben so we kind of get to know who they are uh, absent their Batten disease challenge. John always had this, he just has this beautiful spirit, just a kind and loving spirit. I mean, when he was a baby, you know how kids play together and steal each other's toys and stuff like that. And I remember watching John and a little kid would come up and take his toy and it'd, it'd be like Turner says, that's okay. You, you've got this. No problem. You know, he wouldn't whine and cry. He was just naturally loving and giving. You know, nothing really upset him. Deeply sensitive kid, but he always had a just a profound, beautiful faith, too. A real love for God and, and, and for other people. He just had this real kind spirit. And Ben, of course, similar. I mean, a great kid, but we sort of nicknamed him Hurricane Ben because he just came out of the womb. <laughs> Just, he just came out of the womb, like, you know, with his fist in the air and a fighter, uh, you know, fun and funny, laughing, but completely different. But they were both, uh, you know, and John actually passed away um, about seven years ago, 2015, so eight years ago. Um, and Ben is still with us, you know, thank you, Lord. Um, but, uh, yeah, different spirit, but just wonderful blessings, both of them. Thank you. That's great. Um, you know, looking at your book, I will say it again, Define Gravity. For those of you who are not paying attention, please do and go out and get the book. It's, awesome. it's an amazing story. story. Um, as I started you, you introduce you, we talked about how choosing joy lifted your family from death to life. And what were your insights in that? Because, I mean, most of us don't aren't born with that insight. You know, we have to develop it over over time. And what caused you and what were those insights? You know, when we, I used to write Christmas cards. I don't know if I've written one lately <laughs> to answer your question. And there are always, people love my Christmas cards because I usually wrote them from the point of view of the dog. And we'd tell <laughs> about the funny things and the dark things. And people would call me and say, oh, we laughed and we cried. And then all of a sudden, you know, our kids were diagnosed with this 
degenerative disease, fatal disease. And so I, I had to put that in the card. And it seemed like each year it seems like, oh, and here's the bad news. And I, you know, I was talking to my wife and I said, you know, this is a tragic disease uh, in circumstances, but not all of our life is. You know, we, we can actually laugh and play and engage with other people and other families. But we really came to the conclusion that that would have to be a choice. We, we mm. could either be swept away with the darkness of this disease and the difficulty or choose to find what was good, the light, the joy, the laughter. And, and that really became a choice for us is to, yes, while simultaneously allowing for the tears and the difficulty, we chose to engage in, in the good, in the blessings. That's great. Yeah. Question for you, too, then, is how did you, how did you deal with the low points? Because um, in your book you talk about there's the highs and the lows, and what happened? What got you out of the low points, or how did you pray through the low points? You know, it, it was a combination of prayer. I, I think our faith is one of tremendous gratitude. I, I don't think you understand what it means to be a Catholic or a Christian if your heart isn't filled with joy and gratitude, because we have everything to live for. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I recognize this now. I don't know that I recognized it then. But Paul the Apostle speaks about it. Uh, in Philippians, and he says, you know, whatever is true and good and noble and beautiful and things to praise, focus on these things. And um, so I, I think it was, it, it came down to me, Psalm, one, Psalm 42, I think, says something similar. It's like, you know, my, my soul is down, I'm, I'm struggling. And, and then the psalmist says, oh, I know, I'll lift my eyes and I will focus right. on God and then soon I'll be praising. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing. And so to me, I just thought, you know, this is a choice. I, I, I can see what is wrong, but I have to consciously choose to shift my focus and see what is right and good. And this goes back to, I think, what my mom taught me long before I ever read any scripture or studied it. You know, she would just laugh. Mm. <laughs> my mom had this wonderful laugh, and I think it was one of the greatest gifts that she gave all of her kids was things would go wrong and you know, maybe a few expletives came out, but then it was <laughs> by great laughter, and we all laughed. And I think I internalized that message. It's like to laugh, to see what is good. And, and that's what it did, I think, through the dark times. You know, I didn't try to deny it. Mm. I know now as a therapist, you can't deny what is wrong, but you can't focus exclusively on it either. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, and that joy comes through your book. It's amazing. Um you know, so listeners, if you are just joining us here in the family room, we are speaking with Joe Sakura, and we're talking about his beautiful, the story of his family and his beautiful book, Defying Gravity. And, you know, it's so funny. I have so many things underlined and highlighted in this book because I felt like you were giving us so many lessons um, and I, as you were living the lessons. And I wanted to capture each one of them as well. Um, I almost felt like, it, okay, this is a parenting manual. Like you just said, you know, how your mom parented you and how it came through so many years later in such beautiful ways. But then also, and then later on, oh, wait, this is a marriage manual because 
as many people know and understand, when you face something like this, when you face not even just one child having a fatal disease, but having two of them with this debilitating this debilitating disease, most marriages don't survive that. And yet you and Lori not only survived, but you thrived. So can you talk to us a little bit about what this diagnosis did to and maybe for your marriage with Lori? Yeah, um, it's... You know, as a therapist now, I understand this, that that sometimes when calamity strikes, whether that's job loss or health crisis or, you know, something like that, it's a lot of couples, a lot of families fall apart. Mm -hmm. But it really is a choice because in every difficulty, you can either choose to come together and, and weather that storm or find meaning through it or find a way to overcome the difficulties or you can let them drive you apart. And we had to very, I think, quickly let go of some of our foolish, selfish desires and say, wait a second, (laughs) you know, that doesn't really matter in life. What matters right now is the love that we share, the love that we share with our kids, the joy that we share with them. Um, And and so we just chose to do that. Interestingly enough, the the greatest, and and I think, you know, I work with a lot of couples as a therapist, and um, I I would say our own marriage crisis, and most couples, most families go through some crisis. I'm not saying everybody's on the verge of divorce, but some people, you know, at some point you go, wow, why did I marry this person? (laughs) What is this all about? Or whatever else. But our crisis actually came before any of this uh, difficulty arose. And I thank God for that grace that, um, you know, my own stupidity didn't (laughs) allow me to, you know, make things worse or anything like that. So we really chose to come back together, to turn toward each other, to become good friends who could then become you know, good lovers again, you know, in the the best sense of the word. And thank God we did, because that's what allowed us to deal with the health crises that we face. So, Joe, there's something you had in the book that really kind of poked at my heart, because you recounted how your reaction to John's diagnosis and Lori's reaction to his diagnosis were very different. And I know there's times that like something will happen and my response will be fairly steady in the beginning and, and, and Barb will be really into it. Or, or, and and it can, it's easy to, for, for someone to conclude that you and I are just cold and, and not connected. Talk about what went on with that a little bit, because I don't think we're radically different from a lot of couples in that regard. No, I, I, I think really, you know, if you think about it, I mean, men really are, this sounds... I don't know, like an oversimplification, but we all see life through our own experience and eyes, mm-hmm. all of us, mm-hmm. whether you're man, woman, uh, or, or, you know, whoever it is, you, you can watch the same movie and come away with a different interpretation or response to it. And I think couples where it can be a real challenge is where you face something so difficult and you have a different reaction. You know, it's like, how how are you? understanding this and Mm -hmm. and it can drive you apart you can feel like wow we are really not on the same page here because we we just interpret these events so differently and i i think you know and Lori would say it we we would both admit it. we both have our strengths and our weaknesses 
But I, I probably was born more, again, because of the teachings of my mom and that, that sense of resilience and, and laughter in the face of adversity and everything else. I'm more of a glass half full person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a bit more of a pessimist, a, a little bit. And there's a lot of reasons why we have this kind of interpretation. But that was a big challenge for us. You know, how we really initially, of course, what we shared was the shock, was the great sorrow, was the difficulty. But I I probably moved quicker to, uh, you know what, we've got to laugh, we've got to play, we've got to embrace, we've got to see what is here. Uh, so it was a real challenge for us, but I, I think it's complementary too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. rather than focusing on like, you know, why are we so different? It's like, hey, there's a time where her spirit, her soul, her interpretation is better to have than mine. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a time I, I where it's like, hey, it, it's better that you know I take the lead on this. So I think we've come to understand that, you know, eventually. Yeah, as you talk about that, it makes me think about, you know, you're being gracious and respectful of each other's differences. But what happens sometimes is we interpret the differences that we have, the different reactions we have, and we assign intent. A reason. Yep. Yeah, we yep. assign intent. Yeah. And then we that's when we yeah. start to separate more and more, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, very insightful. I, I agree completely. We We interpret, you know, we think, you know, oh, you're doing this, and we interpret that as like, not caring or not loving where mm-hmm. that's not the case. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just accepting that we're all different. is tough to do sometimes. Right. Because, Oh, we're so different. How did we ever get together? Why are we still together? And <laughs> yeah. you know, the points you keep making that are, that are uh, so key, I think in today's world is it's all about our choices, right? We choose to turn back to our spouse or we turn to turn to God in these tough situations. And it reminds me, um, one of the things you keep saying in your book reminds me of the scripture that says, put on the mind of Christ, right? Which the mind of Christ is intertwined with the mind of the Father. It's very different thinking than ours. And in multiple times, you talk about trying to see things through God's view or God's eyes, right? In those circumstances and not ours, not our human nature. Can you unpack that and go a little bit deeper into, you know, when you, when you talked about that in the book, what you really mean and what that looks like practically? Well, I I would say from a practical standpoint, you know, when I, again, I I had a a certain faith as a a child. I I believed in Jesus. I embraced my Catholic faith and everything. But I also, and I was wrong, by the way, but I also really believed I understood God, like I was called to be an actor. I really felt that. Mm -hmm. I, I had certain gifts and talents and skills and everything else, so it wasn't crazy notion. I was actually fairly successful. Uh, so it didn't seem ridiculous, but I, I really believed, oh, this is what God wants. And it really, really was not. It couldn't be further from the truth. And 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 so I guess, you know, I had to slowly let go of that dream that was really Joe's dream. Mm. It was, really came out of the selfishness. It's like, this is what I want. Oh, that's what you want, right, God? <laughs> but it really wasn't. <laughs> You know, Jesus says, you know, those who are going to follow me, pick up your cross. Mm. And, and we don't like necessarily that part of the message. It's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean pick up your cross? Like, won't I be like blasting given all these things? But the blessings sometimes come out of the adversity. You know, the life that God really wants for us come out of, you know, death to self mm-hmm. so that we can be open to life that he gives. 
Well, it's a great question that you ask, and I'm, I'm not sure that I'm answering it very well, but um, it, it, it's that eternal perspective of, of letting go of, like, oh, life isn't about the big house or the nice truck or the 4.0 GPA or the job advancement. It's like the life that Jesus presented was very different from all of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you answered it very well, and I think what was interesting in your conversation is for a lot of us that are cradle Catholics, we think we have a certain faith, or we think we have God figured out, and then you come to a crossroads in your life where God wants to really dive deep, and the next thing you find out is I really don't know God, or I don't really have the kind of faith I thought I had, but because it becomes very personal and very real all of a sudden, where before it was more superficial. Yes, I believed. Yes, I did these things. But to believe when you're carrying the cross, to believe when you know, you're know you in the middle of the storm is a very different type of faith, and uh, you articulated that very well, so thank you. You know, one of the other things that was interesting in your book, and you kind of alluded to it, then was was you know dying to self well that can be very fearful or just this journey of faith right this journey of faith that potentially changes over time and one of the times you articulated very well in the book was the journey your journey of faith both yours and Lori's, changed a bit when you went to Medjugorje and I know a number of our listeners have been to Medjugorje I, I I've been to Medjugorje I know just it's it's a, an incredible place where it's very different from what we experience here in the United States. Would you tell us a bit about um, that, just that experience at Medjugorje and maybe some of the things that happened there? You know, what's funny is, even though I was you know, born and raised in I knew nothing of Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, hey, this anonymous donor wants to send you and your family to Medjugorje. And I said, okay, it sounds like a vacation. <laughs> I, I didn't really know. And so we went with just sort of an open heart and mind without any sort of expectation of what to experience or get. And I think the most profound thing for me, because we all got something different out of it. Mm. Uh, Everybody in my family, both boys were diagnosed with the disease and everything. And we went there. And the first day I was there, I was just walking around because we were all dazed and jet lagged. And and I say this humbly because, you know, when people say, oh, God told me this or God told me that, I go, well, hold on a second. Are you sure? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, but I, I, I really felt God sort of speaking to my heart. And he said a few things. I hope I can remember them all. But one was, you know, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Mm. One of the things that I was dealing with was my boy is not seeing, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I thought, okay, is there blessing here in this, you know, that I'm not aware of? And then Jesus's words, you know, they follow me because I fed them, right? And it's like, oh, just because we're getting what we want from God, we're getting this food, we're getting the blessings he said, but, you know, those who follow me are really willing to let go of everything that they have. Yeah. And then there was a third message, and I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> That's <laughs> I okay. wrote about it in the book. <laughs> but the, you'll, um, have, you'll have to read the book to find that next message. That's how I that see it. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah. That's a great teaser. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to hear more about your time in Medjugorje because even for your boys, it was amazing, and for Lori as well. So listeners, um, once again, you are here in the family room with Joe Sakura and his book, Defying Gravity. We will be back after these messages. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? 
Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's health care services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not health care. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160, The Quest. We are here today with Joe Sikora, author of the book Defying Gravity. Um, Once again, if you go to our show notes, you will be able to find links to all the information about Joe and this book as well as another book he has written recently which we'll tell you more about but Joe one of the traditions here in the family room is we always ask people to share their favorite family room memory do you have something that you'd be able to share with our listeners I have a lot of great family room memories because growing up in a big Catholic family eight kids right yeah it seems like everything was wild and crazy but I, I think it's funny. I go back. We were talking about Medjugorje right before the break. And one of the most memorable in my family, my wife, my two kids' memories that I have is when we were in Medjugorje towards the end of the trip, we were sort of privileged to get an audience with one of the visionaries. And and she didn't speak English, but she was talking and asking questions. And we were all sitting listening politely. And then I saw my son Ben, who was, you know, probably, I don't know, five, six years old at the time and rambunctious and wild and crazy. And we saw him raise his hand and, and both my wife and I were like, no, Ben, please don't ask that question. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, 
but there's no stopping Ben. And um, <laughs> she said, yes, you know, through an interpreter, what, what's your question, Ben? And he says, oh, by the way, the next time you say, see Mary, tell her not to wear so much perfume. <laughs> and we were all like, we were all aghast. What is he saying? He said, yeah. He said, you know, she flew over to me and she looked like this and her feet didn't touch the ground, but she smells really strong of like perfume, like roses. And we're all like, and the visionary is like, we're, we're like trying to look for an exit to get out of the room. It's like, oh, this is so embarrassing, you know, but it was, he had this vision yeah. himself yeah. there. Yeah. And so a little child and I thought, okay, you know, who am I to say what did or didn't happen? I, I have no idea. Uh, but she, she just kind of looked at us and said, yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she passed that message along, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And that was one of my favorite stories of your time in Medjugorje, because the way that the visionary knew he was speaking the truth, because as soon as he said that, she came closer to him. And then, as you said, she sat with him. So the family room was actually, when I've been to Medjugorje, you're kind of almost in her family room when you're having that conversation, like out in that little, that area. But um, the fact that that Mary came to Ben was just such a beautiful story and that he then she came to him later on several times when she were back in the States as well. And I've smelled those roses. I I did smell that smell when I was there. It's a, quite yeah. amazing. Yeah. 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 Ben Ben had again since that time he had several other where she appeared to him. Why? I, I cannot answer. Yeah. Other than I think he just needed to hear yeah. from heaven through a mother's voice. Yeah. Uh, that's how I uh, yep. understand it. But yeah, absolutely. She's a mom. She's looking yeah. after her kids. She is. That beautiful constellation. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Um, yeah. so I want to go, if we're good, to a, a, a little different topic, Joe. And um, there was, you said that your sons taught you how to take risks. And I I'm, I think I'm a risk taker and I like risks, especially if it's going to get a laugh or, or make a memory. But there were times when I read about what you did, and very frankly, you made me nervous. Like, <laughs> I would have said, John, you're blind. No, you don't get to drive. But that was not your reaction. I'm like, so, I mean, my wife talks about, that's making me nervous. I'm like, oh, no, no. And, and, but I'm like, Joe, I was nervous when I was reading that part of your book. And I would have done it yeah. differently. Talk about how they got you to take risks like that. Well, you know, they didn't know what they didn't know. Mm. And John's sort of one of his questions always says, why can't I do that? Mm -hmm. Why can't I go to a Catholic school? Why can't I drive? Why can't I? And so rather than saying, oh, you can't and try to explain it, we just, the default said, why not? Yeah. And, uh, you know, one day John was lamenting the fact that all of his friends were getting driver's licenses and learned how to drive and he knew he wasn't. Right. And uh, he said, Dad, I want to learn to drive, basically. And I had this great Jeep at the time that I bought because I thought it would be a great experience for the kids to feel the Jeep and this rough ride and take the top down. And I said, okay, John, I'm going to teach you how to drive, you know. (laughs) And uh, so I took him out to the desert, not too far away. I don't know, an hour and a half away. It's a very funny story. You know, we went over, like, the braking and the gas and you know, I made sure that the emergency brake worked really well. I didn't stop things, right? And so he hopped in the car. I said, okay, John, a little gas, a little more. And we we're running over a few cactus, I'm sure. And I just thought, it's a Jeep. I'll survive. We'll be good. And, you know, he really did pretty well, you know, and, and he just had that sense of doing it. It was very funny. I was a police officer at the time. 
And way up ahead, I, I saw like these motorcyclists, off-road motorcyclists. I said, okay, John, stop. Stop, John. Stop the car. He goes, which, which, which one? How to do this? And I kind of figured it out. I grabbed the e-brake. Dust flies up. And, and I jump out of the car and I run around because I thought, okay, I, I got to get him out of the driver's seat. This is, a, this is enough, right? And I, I couldn't get him into the passenger seat fast enough. And all of these motorcycles stopped right next to my car. And I went, oh, wow. And they were cops that I used that I worked with. <laughs> they're going, "Hey, Joe, how you doing?" <laughs> and they're looking at me, and I'm going, "Oh, I'm great, I'm good." Uh, and they probably thought I was rude because I wasn't introducing my son, who was sitting behind the wheel of the car. But what do I say? Oh, this is John. He's he's blind, but I'm teaching him how to ride. No problem here. For sure. so, you have a feel for driving. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my. Well, yeah. I, yeah. So you. And maybe it ties in, but I, I remember also you talked about God confidence. Mm. Um, I feel like it, uh, the connection that I made, Joe, was that that those risk taking things also kind of awakened you or awakened the family to these to the God confidence piece that there was somebody else's hand to, to extend the metaphor on on the steering wheel or on the emergency brake. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that a lot of times, you know, we look at life and we think. What can I do? What can I accomplish? And our confidence and our belief in self will frequently falter. You know, I mean, if you're hungry or you're in a bad mood or whatever else, you know, you might not believe much in yourself and what you can do. But the great works that God does isn't because of our strength. It's our faith and our belief in him and what he can accomplish through us. Mm -hmm. I, I think I read this this morning during my prayer time, you know, Peter and the apostles are out fishing. They come in. Jesus says, hey, what did you catch? Nothing. Oh, go back out, right? So we have to cooperate with that grace. Go back out and cast your nets. They were obedient. They did it, and they caught this huge catch of fish, right, obviously. But it, it wasn't Peter. It was God working through it, but we still had to do our part. So for me, I, I look at my own life and I say, oh, I can do this or I can do that. But then when I'm really thinking more deeply, which I try to do once in a while, <laughs> I think, well, what can God do through me, right? If I'm willing to cooperate with his grace, what can God do through me? And that's that's different. Yeah. So that's faith. That's beautiful. One thing I love about the story, too, that I don't know that everybody recognizes is that um, wasn't just that Christ asked them to go do something and they were obedient. He asked them to do it at the wrong time of day. He asked them to do it yeah. during the worst conditions that are imaginable. Uh, it's just like the parable of, you know, the one going after one sheep and leaving 99 to us. It's like, oh, of course. Well, if you're a sheep herder, you're like, what are you, an idiot? Why would you go do something like that? <laughs> so I love that the way you explained it, though, because, you know, it's sometimes during the most ridiculous circumstances that God asks us to go do something. And it's real easy, as you said earlier, let me just think about this. Let me put my logic to it because my experience says, and we miss all the blessings. We miss all the joys that God has planned. It, all due respect, you know, you have sons like you have. If you had found that diagnosis before they were born in today's society, how do we eliminate those children? Because I can't take this. Mm. And you have a lot of well-meaning people that say, yeah, you wouldn't want anybody to suffer that. And then I introduce you and your wife, and you would have a very different story to tell. So the question and all of that babbling on my part is, 
How do you think you and Lori really were able to choose joy versus despair? You are the most articulate babbler I've ever heard. <laughs> we, we think so. We're going to keep we him do. another week. I mean, for sure. <laughs> Thank you. you know, <laughs> I, I, I would say, boy, I, I'm trying to articulate this, and I, I was so impressed with what you were saying. I, I, I kind of forgot what I wanted to say. But, again, we, we do forget that it's a choice. And a lot of people, again, I think about this all the time. I've heard people say, oh, I, I found out that I have a Down syndrome child, so I'm going to abort it. I, I hear all these stories. And I think, well, what if the doctors told us? Now, we didn't find out beforehand, right? But what if the doctors said, oh, this is going to be your miserable existence? There's no doubt that people would look at our lives and say, oh, wouldn't it be better had you aborted your children? And I've got to say 100% absolutely no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we've experienced more love, more laughter, more life in, in the short truncated years than we've been given that I think most families because we chose, we chose joy, we chose love, we chose to live fully with purpose and meaning. And so I would tell everybody, it's like, you know, don't, don't just think because of your narrow perspective right now that life can't be, no matter your circumstances, so much more, whether it's with that special needs child or your difficult circumstances, you know, God is there with us throughout. And mm -hmm. sometimes more so when we are at our lowest, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. And I think, you know, as you speak and as people read your book, I think what people need to see is, your life experience is so much more powerful and so much more true and relevant than anything that a doctor or anybody else is going to project on you about what's going to happen in your life, right? God's grace yeah. is going to be there for you. But until you're in that place, you haven't experienced God's grace. So you don't, you know, you don't know. But those of you like you and Lori, you do know. Um, and when the the other thing I loved in your book was, you know, you talk about you and Lori chose joy. You chose, you cho continue to choose joy. You continue to choose love and life. But what you also said is your um experience of what you went through, you also had to let go and let other people serve you and give give to you. And you had to be humble enough to allow other people to ex experience and choose that joy that they had. So I think that the way you guys have lived your lives um, has brought so much more joy to other people as well. Anybody looking at your mm -hmm. life, I can't imagine they would say, oh, you should you should never have had those boys. I think they would say, oh, my gosh, you have brought so much to our lives. Yeah, yeah. I, our, our boys, no doubt, have been a huge blessing to other families. Other blessings, other families have been a huge blessing to us. And it's really all because of God working through us in these most difficult of circumstances. Uh, and that's how he works. That's, you know, that's why I think he says, pick up your cross and follow me. It's not so that we'll have less life. Mm -hmm. It's so that we'll have more life and more abundant life. If you're just joining us, you're in the family room. We're talking with Joe Sikora. We're talking about well, a lot of different things, but God's will, faith, trust, all these things um, that, that got uh, Joe and his wife, Lori, through um, difficult times. And and, and we'll go, I would like to do something if I could, Joe. This, this has kind of been on my heart for two days. And I read, um, and I guess it came to my mind again when you said you had more joy, more life, more happiness. And, and I... I read what you wrote when John passed uh, away that night, and um, 
I, I couldn't, every time I read it now, I, I just kind of lose it because, but it reminds me of that there's something in here. So I'll just shut my mouth and, and I'm going to play a piece that I asked Dave just to put together. It was kind of, I called him last night from the restaurant. Say, this is, I'm thinking about this. I got, please do something. So this is what he did. And I would love for you to hear it and, and just see what, see what you think. We're going to have to take a break in between because everybody's going to be No, we're good. Up. No, we're good. Okay. That's why I got it. Because I know me. I know me. So I'll be careful. On September 24th at 9 p.m., a thunderous crack was heard that rocked the heavens. The sound was that of a Louisville slugger ripping the leather off a baseball. John dropped the bat, flashed his dimpled smile, and with bright green eyes, watched as the ball screamed into the distance. As it sailed, it was set ablaze with brilliant and unimaginable colors. Choir of angels erupted with cheers as the mighty Sakura began his trot around the bases. The brightness of a thousand suns lit his way. As he stepped onto the final plate, Jesus spoke the words, the greatest hit ever. Welcome home. I don't know how other people would take that if you haven't read the book. If it wasn't your son, I don't know. But um, if just the little slice of mm, whatever is in that, Joe, is is something that people can take away and that you can think about over and over and over again, then then we agree. Um, having John and Benjamin has been just like an awesome blessing for us, and we don't really even know. So thank you. Thank you for that, for sure. Yeah. Thank well, you. Yeah, It's interesting. You live in a world that everybody says, you know, how are we going to change it, right? Um, so many terrible things, so much bad stuff, so many Christians that have failed. But what you and your wife are doing is exactly that. You're living joy. Why would I want to be a Christian or a Catholic if you're in tough times and all you're doing is drinking and moaning about it and lamenting everything? You know, how do you really find joy in all of that? Which um, it's a great, great story and a great testimony to that. And I think that's amazing and your story is everybody's story according to you and i know i'd love to understand how is your story really everyone else's story you know i i think as much as we like to deny that our own death <laughs> you know we're in a culture that denies that you know we're going to live forever you know i'm going to be strong forever nothing bad will happen to me we we try to live as though everything's going to work out according to our plan and the truth is that's just not realistic that is not what is going to happen at some point you'll encounter a death not, not only your own death but the death of your spouse the death of a parent the death of a child you're going to encounter you know sickness job loss whatever it is and I, I think it's at those times that we're really going to allow ourselves to be defined and allow ourselves to be refined uh, and our lives reshaped. And, you know, we will all encounter the setback and the difficulties. And I think we can either embrace that and, and find what God offers us, and, you know, in those times. Or try to re reject it, but it's not it's not going to do any good. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to die. Okay, good luck with that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> you know, 
So I know that, you know, we just heard that beautiful tribute to John. And I know our listeners are going to want to know as well. So Ben is still with you. Um, I think he's about 29 yeah. now. Is that right? Yeah, he's 28 right now. 28. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is quite amazing. Quite amazing. Yeah. 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 He's exceeded all expectations and, and you know, what the health expert said. And, and we're still, you know, we we still love and laugh and you know, I, I ask them all the time, you know, I, when I'm wondering how well I'm doing as a father, <laughs> uh, I'll ask them, I say, Ben, are you happy? And they'll say, yeah. <laughs> go, okay. okay. <laughs> and there you go. There you go. So <laughs> there's that joy, that abundant life that Jesus promises. It may not look like the one we thought we were going to get, mm. but it is even better, even better. And I think yeah. that the joy and the hope you give. Um, so God has continued to do other things in your life, right? Um, you did, as we said at the top of the show, all the different ways he's used your your dreams of acting. He's actually used them in, in quite a variety of different ways, um, radio show host, podcast host, but also um, just your your own experience getting your master's in psychology and being a therapist. And so he's also put on your heart additional books as well. Um, and so we want to give a few minutes um, to the show as well to introduce your newest book and give you a chance to speak about that a bit as well. The whole world is going crazy, but you don't have to. Would you give us a bit of a sneak peek into that book as well? Sure. I, first of all, I never set off thinking I'd write one book in my life, much less two. I mean, it was really one of those things that I just just did. But Defying Gravity was kind of it's a personal memoir. It's how God worked through our life for us to find that joy and, and the peace and, and everything that we've been talking about. And then, you know, I, I, I was a police officer, and then I became a therapist. And I, I've had so many people say, Joe, the whole world is going crazy, especially during COVID. You know, people yeah. really struggling and rates of anxiety and depression. I mean, it, it's just off the charts. And so many people, friends, family, the whole world is going crazy. And I, I kept saying, yeah, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And then it finally hit me. I thought, that's it. That's, that's the book that I really feel called to write. And so I took all of my experiences, ongoing experiences, as a therapist, the things that I really find that lead people from dysfunction to health and joy, whether it's focus or, you know, what is anxiety all about? How do you shift it? Um, I have a couple of chapters on marriage and family because I really our relationships are key to our mental health and wellness and our longevity. Even We live longer if our relationships are good. And, and so I, I wanted to write a book that was really about other people. This is what you can do. You don't have to follow the crazy train. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you know, be, you know, brought down. God has the answers. And I think healthy, good psychology is consistent with our faith, by the way. Yeah. Um, and so there are these answers to actually really live joyfully. So that was what my intention was. And I, I just, once I had that title, the book really flowed. And I didn't spend any time trying to get a publisher. I just thought, nope, I'm going to just put it out. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put it out there. And if people need to find it or can find it, they will. So I, I wrote it, and it's on Amazon right now. And it, it's scriptural, scriptural and psychological healing. So the whole title is, the whole world is going crazy, but you don't have to. Scriptural and psychological healing. So it's a, a faith and psychological response to the insanity that we're all facing today. Mm -hmm. So you're putting science and faith to, together and they actually work? 
<laughs> Say it ain't so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, I, I always say there's a lot of bad psychology out there, a lot of bad therapy. You know, I, I, I tell clients that I, all the time. I go, yeah, bad therapy is talk about the problem. Tell me more about the problem. Let's focus on the problem. <laughs> That's really bad therapy, in my opinion. Good therapy is what is the solution? How do you move forward? Let's understand the problem, why you think, why you believe as you do. But what can be yours? How can your life be transformed? And so I, I guess I'm most well known for sort of combining uh, good psychology, I hope, with, with <laughs> scripture. And We're thinking there's probably other tools, that, and we've just focused so much on, on defying gravity. But um, can, can you share like a website? Um, are there other resources that um, you can point, that we can point our listeners to uh, to take advantage of some of the wisdom and maybe even some of the tools that you, that you use? Well, I, you know, not to sound, not to make it about me, <laughs> but you can, I, I put stuff on my website, Joe Sikora. What's my website? JoeSecora.com. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, you know, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I put little one minute reflection videos on Twitter at Joe Sikora show. Um, I've done little, uh, you know, 25 minute shows. I, I created a TV show that I actually wanted to get produced and put out. I, I, th I think it's a great idea. So far, no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a creative nut, so I'm always doing different things. Podcasts. I have podcasts on Spotify and Apple. I think it's all under Joe Sakura show. So if you Google that, you know, I, I do a lot of different things because I, I, I know that life is short and God has given us all gifts and talents to be used for others. So, uh, you know, I, I want to hear those words when it's my time to step into eternity. You know, good job, my faithful servant. You know, I've given you these 10 talents and you've doubled them. Yeah, yeah so. that's great. And I know our listeners wondering, uh, so you can go to our show notes at the Family Room. So thequestatlanta.com forward slash the Family Room. Um, or if you're listening on on in the Apple podcast, et cetera, you can also look there in our show notes. But for those who are would like to know, because you've been writing down, Sakura is spelled, um, so it's Joe, J-O-E, Sakura, S-I-K-O-R-R-A. So just so that you, you know. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I think that covers our yeah. time together, unfortunately. I think we would love to go another hour with you, but we don't have the time. Do you mind closing us out in prayer? Oh, my goodness. What an honor. I, I would love to. Please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord, we thank you for this precious gift of life. And we know that in this difficult life, we will have to pick up our cross, but there is blessing in picking up the cross if we pick it up and follow you, because we know following you leads to real life, to abundant life, to exuberant life, to eternal life. And we ask that you bless us all, fill our hearts with joy, with peace, and love for one another and for you. And we pray this in your sweet son, Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Joe, thank you so much for being with us here today in the family room. Listeners, we thank you as well for being with us. Please join us again here next week in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.